Hello and welcome to Damsels in Discussion, where we discuss pop culture from a funny, feminist, foul-mouth perspective. Today we were talking about the very shocking episode of Game of Thrones and the very sometimes annoying, the parts with Bob Benson in it, episode of Mad Men. <laughs> I'm Shannon Bowen in Oakland. I'm Brandi Sperry in Los Angeles. And I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> Here it is. You warned us, Teresa. I just have to start with... You warned us, but the whole part with Jon Snow, I was like, I am going to give Therese such a hard time if she warned us about the shocking episode is Jon Snow (laughs) fighting the wildlings, and then shit went down. Was that my line, nothing will ever get better? Yeah. um... Abandon all hope, ye who enter Game of Thrones. I know, I was so stupid. I was like, Arya's so close. Like, when she jumped off the wagon, and I was like, oh, she's so close, it's going to happen. I mean, I why do I think this? Why? <laughs> it's stupid. And then, then when shit went down, I'm screaming, I'm throwing my couch cushions, crying. It was a shit show in here. I... I definitely watched it with resignation because, like, there's a few factors. One, you know, book readers have been saying since day one, everyone you love is going to die. So I have not, like, I don't feel that surprised by it Um, because y'all have spoiled it, basically. I'm assuming every single character will die at some point. So why should I be surprised that this happened this way? And then it was filmed in a pretty classic way where, you know, you get the character's dread on her face as the guy's going to close the door, and I was like, oh, fuck, they're all dead right now. You know, I just watched the whole thing with no hope that any of them would be coming out of it. I have to say, I didn't really start crying till they killed the wolf. Not surprising. Oh, <laughs> I know. The, it's when the dogs die. It's just... Um, yeah. The other funny thing that happened is, you know, all this carnage, I'm throwing the pillows, I'm screaming, and then it's the quiet part where Catelyn has the knife to the wife's neck, and Sean goes... Oh, is that the janitor from Harry Potter? Yes. Yes, it, it is, is, Mr. Filch. That's correct. <laughs> As I'm bawling. Bawling. He's, he's doing all of this because he's bitter about being a squib. <laughs> I love how you guys recognize all the actors, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. It's just like, what a moment oh. to realize <laughs> Like, shut up! I can just picture you with, like, your face all red and just being like, why would you say that? <laughs> oh, man, I was bawling. Well, that look on Catelyn's face before she died, I mean, this actress has to get an, an Emmy Oh, nominee. Michelle Fairley, just ship it to her now. Like, I know there's a lot of competition out there, but it, this show so far has gotten very little um, recognition, actually, for the acting. It's, like, all Peter Dinklage, and then they're just like, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But... She really needs something. And the the Emmy people have a way of being like, oh, your character died. I guess this is our last chance to recognize you. So hopefully it actually happens. Yeah, and her face before she died, I mean, you just saw all of the hopelessness. Like, I have no idea where my children are. I have no idea if they're dead or alive. This is it. I Like, I failed as a mother. Like, I yeah, failed. It was and failure. That's what's hard. My reaction, you know, was... This is pretty horrible, but nothing 
not nothing close to how horrible reading it was in the book. If you haven't seen it, Shannon, I know like you had that desired effect. So it's just really different for me, but but there's so, there's such a long build up to it and all along Cat is just like this is a bad idea. We shouldn't go. You know, and then they're playing the music. They're constantly like he's talking about what music is being played. And then they start playing The Reigns of Castamere, which you have to know is that song that um, Cersei was talking to Marjorie about, yeah. Yeah, about destroying the entire family of Castamere. And then they're they're playing The Reigns of Castamere. That's the cue for everything to go down. And yeah. that's what the show is called also The Reigns of Castamere. The description of this carnage, like they burn down all the tents outside. Like, right. they kill everybody. Callan was right about everything. Everything. Don't go back on your word with Lord Frey. Don't send Theon to his father. I mean, yep. fucking right about everything. She was right about everything, but she also caused some trouble. Like, she should have made that stupid alliance with, with, with them in the first place. Like, promising yeah. one of them was going to be queen. You know? Like, married to Rob. That just seems like, really? That's like... You went right. What else did she have to offer? I don't know. She offered all kinds of stuff and, and, and it just seemed like, geez. Well, she had, at that point, she had really overestimated her own ability to just kind of get what she wanted by talking to him because of her people loved her father or whatever. Right. Right. Like, so she goes in thinking she can just ask for something, even though he's a dirty old man and then has to make, she didn't even ask Rob before she made that. The Starks are not good at this. None of them are good at this. Sansa's terrible. Obviously, Ned was terrible. Arya has no use for any sort of, you know, any of this. She just wants carnage for people who've wronged her. You know, they should not be a diplomatic family. (laughs) No, they really suck at being diplomats. I think that really encapsulates the problem with the Starks right there. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, maybe Bran. You know, I mean, he's probably just going to be, you know, Daenerys is Merlin. But I mean, I think... Bran, the Lord of Winterfell, because that's what he is now. Uh-huh. True. The Lord of some ruins and all the yeah, I mean, players what, is, what is that? I can't believe in the opening credits, Winterfell is still burning. <laughs> it's going to smolder for a long time. You it's know, winter gonna... isn't quite there yet. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be like that one fire that never goes out in that desert (laughs) (laughs) so bran um you know bran is a warg well we knew that right did we know that yeah yeah this is the first time he's really done it though yeah done it like on purpose like yeah he's actively chosen not in a dream yeah yeah which is creepy as hell i think oh i just i just noticed a note that i had made so i just need to jump back to the wedding i had this overwhelming feeling that like all the phrase looked just like extras from monty python and the holy grail (laughs) oh my god it was so funny when he couldn't pronounce their names and stuff that was (laughs) great i love the little bits of comedy in this show it goes so far I know that you had said that a lot of people in the that read the books thought a whole episode was going to be dedicated to it to get this slow build. But I've thought about it because I've read a lot of things about this. And I think that the pacing of the show, I think the quick reveal and then the horror coming fast, I think really worked. I don't know if the slow build and doing a whole episode would have worked with this show. Yeah, it's just it's really a whole other way of seeing this 
narrative. You know, it was just mm. the the show had its own language for it. That you know, that's all. That that it's just a different way to express it. And and the thing the thing that was shocking to me because I wasn't expecting it was Talisa getting stabbed in the belly. Oh. And which is a little disappointing because I I thought reading the books that there might have been a little baby Stark somewhere, you know, hidden yeah. away because because his wife did not come to the red wedding. Um, oh. Now that Talisa's, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty yeah, I would have liked it if she had not been there and joined our ranks of vengeance-seeking badass ladies. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, I'll just say that uh, I saw that Jessica Valenti and Alyssa Rosenberg started an interesting conversation on Twitter about how um, pregnant women are always facing terrible peril in pop culture and how gruesome it gets because that yeah. you know, killing a pregnant woman is so much worse than killing, like, just a normal person and it's kind of true and disgusting and I, that was a little much for me actually the stabbing so anyway the other carnage that we almost saw almost happened to Jon Snow's face when that bird that was intense I thought he was I thought it was gonna be like a Kill Bill thing and he wasn't gonna have his eyes like I was waiting for him to have like eye sockets when he came back <laughs> But then I was like, no, that's that would be crossing the line for this show. Would be messing up a pretty face. <laughs> that's right. a no, no. You know, all the faces were preserved during the death scenes. So. They they do not want to ruin Jon Snow's beautiful face. They didn't even want to ruin Peter Dinklage's prettiest pretty face. So. No, yeah. Yeah. I was really hoping that this would happen, and it didn't. When Jon Snow looks back at Egret and then rides off, I just wanted him to say, "You know nothing, Egret." <laughs> And run right off. But <laughs> he did it. He just was boring as usual. But uh, you know what? That was a failure on their part. That really Come was. on, callbacks. Every writer knows that they're highly satisfying. Way better than him whispering in the ear of Gareth from the British office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were right about me. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely felt afraid for Rickon. He and he's so young. Yeah. Going off on his own. I don't know. Really? Uh I don't think we're gonna see those two again for a while. Like I think it's just kinda like let's streamline, let's get the the older kids together on an adventure instead. I can just see the actress who plays Osha reading the script and she's like I have to go with Rickon? Yeah. How long have I been stooping over all weird waiting for my moment in the sun? <laughs> and this. Yeah, Terrible. you're stuck with the Bobby Draper of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Who actually, he was all right in his little scene where he was like, I don't want to leave. I mean, I'm never going to love a kid that young having that many lines. <laughs> like, shut up, kid. But... <laughs> He did all right. All right. What else happened in this episode? Well, um, well, we had our like, other second odd couple, Arya and the Hound. Oh, my oh God. yeah. Oh, that was great. Amazing. I can't even believe we're having two fabulous odd couples on the road. I mean, it's incredible. What? Yeah, I'm starting to feel weird about how long it's been since we've seen Jamie and Brienne, though. Like, I know that it's just because they had to get through this, like, stark part of the story, but my head would explode from too much awesome if we got to see both of our buddy road couples in one episode. So what do we make of the hand saving Arya at the end? I mean, he didn't have to. He he has no, nothing to gain now. 
there's no one left to sell her to except, I don't know, maybe Tyrion and Sansa? But is he privy to any of that information? He's just been wandering around in the woods, so... Right. I don't I think mean, he's going back to King's Landing, because Joffrey no, would no, kill no. him. No, no, no. I don't think so either. So, I mean, this is really just him showing that he's not evil. I think he really cares for the Stark girls. I, I don't know why. Maybe there's some history with Ned. I don't know, but... He does have a soft spot for them. And I mean, maybe it's just he knows that a you know young girl is going to hit puberty really soon, wandering around <laughs> the woods. You know, he knows what's going to happen to her. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe he's a little bit almost like Jamie that way, where he's like, I don't really have any use for you, but the use that someone else might have for you sickens me. So I have to do what I have to do to stop that. Right. And maybe she could become like, you know, they could be kind of a killer duo or something, you know? I mean, <laughs> oh no, but God. seriously, he yeah. could like train her. She's a kid. She could do people, you know, I mean, there's, there's <laughs> things that could happen. I think she's going to kill him in his sleep at her first opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a mistake. I think she needs to get over that. The only I don't God think anyone gets dead. off the list once they're on the list. Right. The um, only God is death. Just remember those words. The only God is death. And then Daenerys was just a little weird. It was like, they were fighting. It was super cool. And then it's like, over. Okay, we won. Yeah, that was yeah. really weird. Like, did we miss a scene somewhere where something happened? There's I think like... it was just like they used all their CGI blood budget at the wedding. So they had to wrap this up off screen. Yeah, that whole, th that whole thing with the boys sneaking into the city and then being attacked by various slave armies and it just felt very um i don't know old school you know what i was thinking of while i watched it uh xena warrior princess when oh, she yeah. always faces a circle of dudes and that yeah. or and the same thing would happen on hercules like it felt very very like saturday tv to me like oh geez i'm encircled by bad guys i guess i'll slay one of them at a time while none of the rest of them come near me and then be victorious yeah i was wondering about that that was really weird <laughs> just all run at them at once like there's 10 times as many of you yeah they all laid down their swords though when they found out that they were with uh daenerys mother of dragons freer of slaves when did they have time to even have that conversation? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> my, fa my favorite thing about that whole thing was how the Slate story, which was hilarious, but the Slate story called called that guy Fabio Longharis. Um, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is just funny on its own. But then if you know how all those Free Cities names are constructed, it's even funnier because they use two A's in Fabio. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I love oh, nerd jokes. I love it. <laughs> it was it was such a nerd joke, but I thought it was hilarious. I still don't think he's that hot. I think there's something wrong with his teeth. There's something probably. He has a little bit of an overbite. It doesn't bother me. Like, when he walked back in that tent, I was like, yeah. I mean, he's covered in blood, and I was still like, yeah, stud. <laughs> oh, so, I was, like, sad. For a moment there, I was like, Jora, don't tell me this, because they haven't gotten to bone down yet. <laughs> Really Poor Jorah, but he's got to know that he's, he's like, Grandpa doesn't stand a chance. He doesn't really have much of a personality beyond being like, I don't know Khaleesi. <laughs> so, I mean. Oh, I am a little worried because this whole season, things have been going really good for Daenerys, which means something really bad is around the corner. Mm. I agree. 
I just want her to keep going because now I really want Arya to be able to stab Joffrey in the heart and then the dragon pulls his head off, you know? So that's... <laughs> this <laughs> but... scenario for Joffrey's death gets, like, more elaborate every time you bring it up. Well, <laughs> Arya needs revenge. In your spare time. <laughs> That's very hilarious. Okay, well, you guys, next week is the last episode. So what do you think is going to happen? They're doing this book, book three, they're doing in two seasons, by the way. So we're like at the middle of book three. right? So now. we're not necessarily at a huge climax for the story, especially after the wedding just happened. They, Yeah, if, I feel like all of these dramatic series put like the biggest story in the second last episode. They yeah, do. they do. It is kind of weird. Yeah. It is weird. So what do you think is going to happen next week? I think we'll see Jamie and Brienne like I think we'll just catch up with a few characters we haven't seen in a couple episodes oh is it gonna be the wedding of Joffrey and Marjorie keeping with the wedding theme oh because right because because there was Sansa and Tyrion's wedding last week yeah yeah yeah. wedding trilogy maybe so that's what I'm gonna guess I also think Daenerys and Fabio Longharis are going to bone down I also don't trust him I don't think he's a really good guy. So, sorry, Brandy. I know he's No, I don't super trust him. I mean, he's really, like, he's following Danny literally because she's beautiful and he wants to fuck her. So, I mean, that's not really, like, the basis for a great romance and trustworthy war alliance. But, uh, you know, she could do worse. So what I really hope happens next week, I know it's, it's terrible to hope for anything good on this show, but I hope that it is wedding time in King's Landing, maybe, you know, whatever, double wedding with Cersei and Loras and Joffrey and Marjorie. And then just when Cersei is, like, at her lowest, like, this is my fucking life, Jamie finally shows up again, and they're reunited. Because I can't wait for those two to get to see each other again. Like, I don't care how twisted their relationship is. I just, it kills me that it's been so long, and they, neither one of them, like, really knows that the other one is safe. I mean, obviously, terrible things are happening there. I don't that would be a great ending to the season for me. I'm just excited to get Brienne and Cersei in the same room together because that is going to be a very interesting cat fight. It's going to be the because. best staring contest of all time. <laughs> yeah. I see her, like, if she, like, had this whole crushing on Jamie thing, she would be, like, a 14-year-old girl. I, I don't think so. I think she would be doodling on her binders. Pretending to sign her she name. Just, she rips out the page that has Renly's initials on it. And right. Starts a new one. <laughs> exactly. Brienne Lannister. Brienne <laughs> Lannister. Just write it over you and over guys, again. Guys, that's so not the way it's going to go down. <laughs> well, we'll see. We will see. Maybe she's going to join the King's Guard. Yeah. She's not going to work for Joffrey. Oh, no. She was working for Catelyn, and now Catelyn's dead. She's going to want vengeance on. Yeah. Maybe she'll kill Joffrey. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I have a short list of people who need to kill Joffrey. Yeah. Yeah. They have to be all in it together. Here's what should happen. Someone should kill Joffrey and then the red priest has to come and bring him back to life. So the next (laughs) person can kill Joffrey. (laughs) Over and over. And that could just go on for a while. Okay, moving on to Mad Men. It's such a jarring thing going from Westeros to New York City. 
to L.A. this week. And L.A. The show is called A Tale of Two Cities. I mean, we've done that before, though, right? Like, I feel like other episodes have even done the hardcore comparing New York and L.A. thing more than this one. But I always love the California episodes. It's they're just beautifully shot. I loved that all the fashion was so much crazier in California. Yeah. It made New York look so drab and traditional. That little uh, Danny was wearing a caftan. Oh, my yeah. God. That was and great. I was just like, any Buffy fans out there would be so happy to see him pop up <laughs> with a different identity, because that's what his character Jonathan on Buffy would always do, like, once every season or two. It would be like, what? Like, what are you doing now? Well, the best was Roger in his Thurston Howell outfit with those gold buttons. I was like, who brought their dad to the party? I know that Brandy has actually smoked out of that hookah in real life. It's true. I cannot reveal how or when, but the hookah in this episode has... Uh, it has touched John Ham's mouth and my mouth. So what? what? It pretty much made yeah. out with John Ham. So what? <laughs> yeah. It's true. I've been waiting for the hookah to show up all season, and I texted Brandy. I was like, "Oh, your hookah's in here." I, we need. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. That needs to be explained. Oh, it just happens to have been um, at an apartment of someone who was a set designer on the show. So. They had they had it because they take some of these stuff that they're never going to use again at the end of the season. Uh huh. So and they took the hookah. They had it. You were in the same room as that hookah. Yeah, I mean, I smoked out of it repeatedly. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) You're like one. I'm one degree away from John Hamm DNA wise. So (laughs) that's amazing. I know she's basically made out with him. Did you use the same? Did you use the same nipple? I don't know. But there was a lot of passing around going on, so hopefully. All right. You awesome. probably just put your mouth on each one just in case. Just in case. All right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I was really excited when I saw the hookah. <laughs> um, That's great. Okay. Yeah, so I, what did you guys think of his hashish, you know, hallucination, though? I f- got bored. Uh, Don, yeah, boring. Don's stuff is just tedious. I'm sorry. I mean, I was I was much more interested in the episode before where he was, like, fucking his ex-wife. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. You know, we didn't get to talk about that one because we didn't have an episode last week. But that whole sequence was really satisfying and interesting for me in a way that these dream sequences never are. Exactly. Right. You're right. It's like we got to see all those sides of Dawn that these other things are trying to touch on. But it was so nice hearing it from Betty. I mean, I love the line where she was like, that poor girl, she doesn't know that loving you is the worst way to get to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Killer that mind. whole that whole thing was great. That whole series of scenes and the setup and, and, and the denouement at the end when she's having breakfast with Henry and he's off at his little single table. Yeah. Um, we got to see and remember how much better January, January Jones was at playing that version of Betty. Mm, but she was yeah. really, really great. She was great. And then, you know, compared to this get another dream sequence for for Don to reveal some kind of inner whatever the fuck is going on in his head. And it's just like you see the soldier and you're like is this even the same soldier from the first episode? Like you're making me work too hard for something that doesn't even like give anything at all. I saw that and soldier it- and I thought that it was some guy they were sending to arrest him for going <laughs> AWOL. <laughs> like oh my god, they figured it out. <laughs> 
he's there to arrest Don. I'm like, See, oh no, like you heavy. can't. It's too confusing. It's too much work for no payoff. I do have to say this episode was again directed by John Slattery. That's two mm. this season, and I love his directing. I love that slow, you know, when Pete's smoking the joint at the end and the slow shot of the smoke coming out. It was just like, yep. Yep. Brandy, were you mentioning Harry Crane's outfit? Oh my God. It made me so happy. Harry Crane, I can't stand that guy. He hasn't brought me joy in so long until he rolled up in that outfit in that car. With the neck. And I was just like, I can't make this my computer background fast enough. (laughs) It's so good. And I love that Don and Roger were complaining about the convertible. It's like, who brought their dads to L.A.? I mean, these guys were just, like, so annoying. (laughs) So annoying. So, meanwhile, back at the office, which is where we always like to be, some interesting things are going down with Joan, our favorite. Uh, She has what she thinks is a date, hilariously, and actually turns out to be a business setup. Shame on her friend for not describing this lunch better. Yeah, but she ends up pitching to the Avon guy, which is kind of incredible. Avon is a really big company. She can totally charm these guys, you know, and now she has the the amount of time in the company and the prestige in the company to be able to really represent other people and talk about the company in a way that she couldn't before she was a partner. So why why are they not using her and already is crazy to me. Well, I'm going to counter that because I don't think she did a very good job. She didn't well, do she a very was, good job describing the company. She, she didn't did. do a very good job at the AFA meeting. I, she did as good of a job as Roger did, and she was on on the spot. She didn't know that she had no time to prepare. I mean, she just kind of talked about things that secretaries do. Oh, we would have taken care of that at your hotel. You know, and when she described what her job was there was anticipating people's needs before they think of them. I mean, she basically described herself as a servant, which was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I felt kind of disappointed because I, as m- much as I wanted this to happen, I thought that Avon meeting with her and Peggy was really awkward and I thought she blew it. Yeah, I, I, I think blew it is harsh. I definitely didn't read the scene that way. I don't know if she blew it, but I didn't think she did that well either. And it was crushing to me that she didn't describe herself as the finance person. Yeah. I know. That's what Why she isn't does. she that person? Yeah. I don't know. It, she is in this very ambiguous spot. And I would rather see her become more of the finance operations manager than account. This whole season for Joan seems to be her figuring out her role. Whatever we think of how she handled that lunch with Peggy, do you think she did the right thing in basically uh, taking the meeting without him? I think she has to take a risk. And any of those men would have done that in the beginning of their career. So I'm not going to fault her for that. Yeah. I I, I mean, it kind of sucks because Pete didn't do anything, you know? So, but then again, it's, it's Pete. Like, he deserves <laughs> whatever comes his way. He's probably screwed over so many people to get to where he is. But I don't know. I, I was glad that she took the risk as well. and I But I think that Peggy's reaction was warranted as well. So. Yeah, and yeah. Ted Shaw was completely clueless. Like, Yeah, he just is totally clueless. When she's in that meeting with them and Peggy goes into Joan's office and starts listening in. That was like completely delicious stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Let's backtrack. Their fight, Joan and Peggy's fight, I thought was, it was really hard for me because I want them to be allies so much. 
And it's hard to remember how it was in seasons one and two when Joan was really mean to Peggy. But I thought it was really realistic of how they view each other trying to make it, you know, promote themselves through this company of men. And then, you know, when they go into the meeting with Ted, I mean, the way that Ted dismissed Peggy, it was like he is done with her. And I love that she went and like supported Joan because, yeah, Ted is no longer a dreamboat. He's a total dick and he's off my dreamboat list. Yeah, it just just like the fact that he now works with Don has completely turned him into a dick. I just hate that. He's not even wearing turtlenecks anymore. You're right. I don't know. I mean, it was so sudden, this thing where like, I wonder if he's just if it's just like a defense mechanism from her saying like, oh, you know, this can't happen or whatever. And then, you know, she tells him that she broke up with her boyfriend, but it doesn't it's like it's too late. He broke up with him because she stabbed him. He broke up with her. <laughs> because everything she does sickens him to his core. Seriously, why was he talking like three episodes oh. ago about having kids and then all of a sudden he's like, you're the enemy. Like, did he just realize what she was doing? I, I thought that was really yeah. strange. You go to an ad agency every day? That's where <laughs> I've been sitting eating a sandwich next to you? I thought it was performance art. No, but I feel like so many times this episode, Peggy went, she was like, oh, I, I have this insight into Ted. Let's talk to Ted. Let's talk to Ted. And she was kind of wrong each time. I want Peggy and Joan to be an awesome alliance. I really Me do. too. I really want them to be friends. Okay. So, and then we didn't get to discuss last week, the whole Sharon Tate theory based on uh, the shirt that Megan was wearing with the red star, which I thought was the Macy's logo little did i know <laughs> it's this very famous shirt that sharon tate wore on the cover of esquire um and she was killed in a home invasion when she was like eight and a half months pregnant and so now there's all these theories that megan is gonna die like sharon tate what do you guys about that I think it's a fascinating theory, but I don't buy that it's that blatant. Like, I don't think the show is quite that literal with its telegraphing of themes. Right. I agree. I mean, it was interesting that Janie Bryant did confirm that that shirt was intentional. Right, right. Right. But then you could you could say that she's wearing that shirt because cool, fashionable young women wore that T-shirt, you know? Right. Like, it, that T-shirt only became important after Sharon Tate was murdered. Yeah, there was also a lot in, in that episode with sirens. Like, all of a sudden there were sirens yeah. everywhere. So I think it might yeah. just be, like, signals of rising danger, which is um, kind of what Tom and Lorenzo were saying as well, because they were sort of being like, uh, simmer down, everyone. Janie Bryant isn't that obvious. Like, so I don't think we're going to see Megan stabbed by the end of the season or anything. Right. But, yeah, uh, I just think that that Matt Weiner just gets a boner every time somebody writes a blog post about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what can we put in the show that will have more Google alerts for my name? You know, this isn't going to I mean, I don't know where this is all going, but obviously if it's that obvious that, you know, it launched a thousand blog posts, then that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. No, he's just yeah. fucking. But it was fun. It was a really fun theory. Oh, yeah. It was a fun theory, yes. And I, I like these things that relate to, like, late 60s and how much is different than the early 60s and, you know, how much is going on outside their little bubble. 
Um, I would much rather have it come in the form of a t-shirt than in the form of an actual old black lady breaking into their apartment. Well, okay. So the only other thing that we need to talk about is Bob Benson. Bob Benson. Is he, wait, is he dating Joan? Is Bob Benson dating Joan? What's going on? I don't think so. I think they just went to the beach. I don't think they're dating. There was no sexual tension there. No, there really isn't. It was like she was like bringing along like a babysitter with her to the beach or something. Yeah. He's got such a weird energy. I don't even know how to describe the Bob Benson. It's very distant. You know what it is? It's like an alien before you figure out that that one guy is not really a person. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he's not really a person. It's like he's an alien. I did laugh and think of you, Brandy, when Jim Cutler is like, what are you doing down here? You're always down here. (laughs) I laughed so hard. I was yeah. like, oh, thank you. But then he gets this huge promotion to Chevy. The whole thing is weird, and I just, I don't know if he's some sort of just red herring to keep us distracted from some other thing that's about to explode or what. I've I've come to, I've gone from really wanting him to go away to being sort of fascinated by how weird and annoying he is. So I'm curious to see where it goes. Should we move on to one fabulous thing? Yes. Okay, so my fabulous thing this week is a recommendation for a specific episode of another podcast. It is the Script Notes podcast that John August and Craig Mazin do. It is about screenwriting. However, if you're any sort of pop culture or movie fan, their June 4th episode, I think it was, this week's episode, uh, all they talked about was The Little Mermaid. Like, they literally just analyzed the movie. They've started doing this where they... Uh, the first episode they did was Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they just analyzed Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it was incredibly satisfying to listen to them talk about this movie, like about how great it is and how it, you know, started this new era for Disney and saved Disney and everything. But also how it's not very feminist, <laughs> like how the first half of the movie is kind of feminist because Ariel's like going against her father because she wants to be part of the human world. And it's, she wants to be part of the human world well before she ever sees Eric. And then in the second boy, the second part of the movie, she has no voice and she literally does nothing. And like listening to two forty something dudes be like, "God, like Ariel needs more narrative power," was just delightful. It's a great podcast. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a really terrible head cold this weekend, and so what did I do? I watched two seasons of Damages. Yeah. Wow. I know it came out in two thousand seven. <laughs> But here I am in 2013 <laughs> saying, this is such a good show. Um, you know, you have this great law show, suspense, betrayal, corporate greed, all the, the plot storytelling. It's fantastic. But then you also have Glenn Close and Rose Byrne, who play these very complex, very strong female characters who drink bourbon straight in a glass. It's just, <laughs> it's just, you just eat it up. It's just so good. And like, one of my favorite lines is from season two and Glenn Close is just like, you know what I'm in the mood for? Any other thing would be like chocolate, love, you know, crying. And she's like a fight. And I was like, yes, that's why I love this character. <laughs> it's just, she's a great ball buster and it is a fantastic show. And I'll probably start season three tonight. And my one fabulous thing is a website called sadgirlsguide.com. And uh, I only know it because the person who writes it um, did a profile of me, includes a photograph of me with a little collage of all my likes and dislikes. And on the like side, I mentioned Edith Crawley. 
Yeah, I saw that. Tiny little Edith Crawleys. This blog is just completely adorable, and it's for girls, but it's also for music fans. And Tatiana Cameron, who does it, just seems really cool. So sadgirlsguide.com. Yes, it's a great site. I did specifically bookmark it on in my file marked awesome. So, <laughs> so it has the awesome seal of approval. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of Damsels in Discussion. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. You can always send us questions. If you have any burning questions uh, based on the last two episodes or thoughts you want to share about predictions for the finale of Game of Thrones. We will see you next week. Looking in the mirror, liking what she sees. Not just another pretty face, no, she's making history. Surrounded by her sisters, oh, they're working as a team. Making their own destiny, realizing all their dreams. Avon, you're so beautiful. Yes, you are. Avon, you're so beautiful. Reaching out to girls, the company for women around the world. Avon, you're so beautiful.